My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. Mike. So welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. We are so excited. We have just crossed the 6,000 mark for downloads, which is unbelievable how this, this all began. It's taken off. We're really, really grateful. So thank you for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. Two kids and a dream. So beautiful. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We love making the show. Thank you for tuning in. And, and thank you for sending us requests. Today's episode is a request episode from Katie from New Jersey. So we hope she likes this as much as we like talking about it. You could send us your requests at Twitter at 15MINFILM. Um, we love doing this. It's not one of our niche episodes. This is not some sleeper movie not everyone has seen because, of course, what movie are we doing today, Mike? Gladiator. Gladiator, the 2000, the year 2000, epic, directed by Ridley Scott. And it's a movie that everybody has seen, that everybody can quote, that everybody has opinions on. So let's start with uh, segment one. We always talk about our overall takes on the movie. We both rewatched it for the podcast, but have not talked about it up to right now. Mike, what's your overall take on Gladiator? Gladiator is the best worst movie of all time. And I mean that as a compliment. It is eminently watchable. It is so much fun. You could watch it, I would say, with anybody 12 or up. The, the violence is exaggerated to the point that it's almost comical, but it's so compelling. I defy any, I know it's a long Gurr movie, not like Lord of the Rings long, but it's long. I defy anybody to just stop watching this movie. You just, you watch it to the end. The movie tells you who to root for, but then you do end up rooting for them. And that's what I think it, it makes, it makes, it makes your choices without necessarily dramatizing them, but then it validates those choices and it's compelling. And I think it's also interesting that Ridley Scott, in my opinion, I think the worst, best movie all time, the movie that I think is the best made, but doesn't have that kind of like that spark of life is, is Blade Runner, which might be a controversial choice. I think that's the worst, best movie of all time. Everything Blade Runner has everything going for it, but it just kind of is a, is a flunker. And I agree with you there. I know we're in the minority on that opinion. This movie, though. I mean, it has a lot going for it. It's got the budget. It's got Ridley Scott. It's got Oliver Reed. Um, it's got Joaquin Phoenix. It's got young Russell Crowe. But there's nothing dazzling about the script. You know, Richard Harris, who I love, is in the movie for like six minutes before he dies. Uh, but somehow this movie is unbelievably watchable. I don't know filmically if I could defend every single point of Gladiator but it is entertaining as hell. Absolutely. Do you remember the advice that um, Maximus gets when he has to go start becoming a famous gladiator? What's the, what, the, what advice does he get? Keep them entertained. Yeah, he says they, the actual line is win the crowd, win the crowd. And when I was watching this, I started laughing because I'm like, that's exactly what Ridley Scott does here. He wins the crowd. I mean, this is a movie that is unpretentious, which I love about it. And it totally delivers. You know, a little quick aside, um, I wanted to buy a soundbar for my TV because I have this giant TV and I don't have a soundbar for it. And you can go crazy with, with you know, audio files and, and, and well, you need this. Blah, blah, blah. I just want a really simple one. So I bought like a cheap one at Best Buy. So let me plug it in. I sat back watching this. I was like the guy in the 
old Maxell ads that would sit back in the chair with and what a fun movie to watch at deafening volume I love watching movies as loud as I am and so we turned it on I said to my son okay hit 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 play and we hit play and the first scene when they're in the Germania far you know whoosh. so I love that that there's no subtlety there it's all like mood music and drums and and flaming arrows and catapults and his pet wolf that rides along with him so it's, it's, it's a big screen spectacle. It reminds me of the Ten Commandments, you know, of the robe of Ben-Hur. But another great thing about this movie that you just, you just mentioned is the performances are really, really great. I mean, nobody, there's no irony in here. Everybody plays. It's funny. You said like, we're told who to root for. And then we follow suit. We are absolute puppets there. So you think of like how good, like Joaquin Phoenix is. Like, I love the scene where um, Richard Harris says, you're not going to be the emperor. And he kind of half cries as he's talking, because we've all seen actors cry, but he does that, he does that thing where you're almost crying. And that's like really good. And that strikes me as really compelling. Or when he does the scene about the um, the little busy bees, when he's trying to tell his sister that I know what you've been doing. And I think Russell Crowe is great in that he plays Maximus. Like he, Maximus is a guy who's kind of quiet. He's tough. He exudes charm and confidence. What's Russell Crowe like? He's quiet, he's tough. He exudes charm and confidence. So I, I just think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect example of what movies can do. I'll tell you one funny thing about Ben-Hur, though. I had family uh, visiting from overseas that did not speak English, and I had to pick something to watch. And this was not in the you streaming days. This was in the DVD days. And I picked Ben-Hur because not only did, had it played in this overseas country, you don't need to speak English or need subtitles to understand what's going on in certain scenes of Ben-Hur. And I feel the same way about Gladiator. There's something so stupendously unironic about it that it transcends language. Nobody's watching uh, Commodus on screen and um, Joaquin Phoenix making his weird bloated face (laughs) and going like, am I rooting for that guy or who like he might as well, it might as well just say villain in all languages. A hundred percent. And it's, it's, that's so comforting, isn't it? It's like, it's like comfort food. It's like eating a bowl of macaroni and cheese where you're like, I wonder if he has ambiguous motivations or like, it's like, well, perhaps Marcus Aurelius didn't love him enough. Like, no, he's just, he's just a pervert and he's a bad dude and he kills his own father. Yep. That's who he is. And there's something very comforting about that when you settle in for a long movie like this on your couch. Yeah. So Ridley Scott, if you're listening, I am entertained. hundred percent. We love this movie. All right. I'll see you in part two when we talk about our moments. Okay, welcome back to part two. Dan, what's your stupendously unironic moment for this my, film? My moment is when um, Commodus stabs Maximus at the end and then tells him he has to put the armor on and he has to go fight him at the end. Um, I, I love that moment because we said before, this movie is, is completely unpretentious, but, but it, does, it does have a lot of great stuff about politics. You shake me that, that is exactly the kind of thing that you'd pick. There's one moment in this movie. There's only one, and it's when he kills the tiger. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll talk that everybody, about- anybody watching this movie, like with their eyes open, there's only one moment. We should all be in accord on this. I, they, I, they, the movie sets you up with a series of bad guys that are that are difficult to kill. And the first time you see the arena, you think like, oh, man, I wouldn't want to be a gladiator. But by the second, like second and a half fight, you're like, oh, man, I could be a gladiator in two set. It's like, oh, what he's got. He's got armor and a sword. If he if this guy told me what to do, I'd be fine. So you have to find a way to up the ante if you're Ridley Scott. A hundred percent. How do you like, because we we're so jaded, right? When you, when you hear about Romans feeding people to lions, you're like, why? It's because how many times can you watch two people behead one another? If, if it's uneven, you got to get animals in the mix. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's got the same 
concerns for the audience, as you said, that the ancient Romans had for their audience. Like, what's the only way to up the ante? Tigers. Exotic animals. Right. And 100%. not just one and not just one tiger. You got to have a bunch of tigers. And where do the tigers have to come from? The underneath the ground. There Trap must doors. Be, there, it's a ring made of tigers. This is. Are you with me on this? I'm totally I, with I, you. I, I can't. Tell. OK, I am 100 percent with you. So what does he have to do? He's got to use that to his advantage and both fight off the, the dude who's killed every like who came out of retirement to kill him with the crazy mask and the tiger at the same time kills the tiger as it jumps on him, then kills the other guy and in fact spares his life. Yes. What more do you want? I think I think the perfect refrain for this movie is, are you not entertained? I am 100% entertained by that. I am 100% entertained. And I was watching this with someone who had never seen it before. And the tigers, of course, you could just see it's like, whoa. It's like, how do you keep upping the ante? Absolutely. And I thought the exact same thing. And it, you know, it is, it, it, that's the bread and circuses. You know, or the pop instead of bread and circuses, it's popcorn and tigers. I I wish that I had been a producer on this movie and thinking, okay, we got a bunch of armor, we got a bunch of fake swords. What else we and somebody came to me and said, Listen, don't ask me what we're gonna spend on this. Could only be for a day. I'm gonna need either four tigers or the same tiger four times. Okay. Just like don't ask me any questions, just trust me, we're making a classic here. A hundred percent. I am totally with you in Tigerdom. And I, and, and that was my alternate moment, but I, I didn't know if you would pick that one too. So going back to my moment was, I love when he, I love when, when Commodus stabs him and makes it put the armor back on. That, that's a great, great moment, right? Because, and, and again, we talked about the unpretentiousness of this movie is that he's such, he's such a politician, but he's such a, he's so bad in so many ways is that it reminded me of, you know, Jonathan Swift in Gulliver's Travels, you know, um, the way that, the Winhams, the logical horses in the fourth voyage of Gulliver's Travels. I don't know if you remember this, but the way they elect someone to office is you can never have shown any desire to hold office. And if you ever show any desire to hold power, you're automatically disqualified. And of course, that's why Maximus is supposed to get the job, right? And also, I love that, you know, the phrase like the vile politician. That's a big thing from Shakespeare. Henry IV Hotspur says the vile politician, Bolingbroke. So it's kind of funny. I love, I love that the idea that politicians work on illusion and that he has to go out there and, and, and of course, you know, still put on his game face while he's wounded there. Um, and it doesn't, the movie doesn't ask us to like think of the different reasons why Joaquin Phoenix might want to do that. It's just, here's, here's another snidely whiplash trick. Here's another thing of him twirling his mustache. Um, the, the, the tigers didn't work. You know, everything, everything else, poison won't work. This is the last straw. You're simultaneously spot on and also overthinking this. If the sequel is just, he comes back from the dead, he fights tigers the entire movie. The only way that it could be improved is if he fought them on a bullet train instead of in the gladiatorial arena. Listen, you have the eye of the tiger. And, and I want you to save that for part three. So welcome back. In part three, we like to talk about the title, which is pretty self-explanatory, or the ending. Um, Mike, what's your take on the ending of this movie? I, I don't have a take on the ending yet because, it, of course, it it ends in what I suppose you would think is a satisfying way, which is he he kills his enemy. He kind of saves Rome from this guy who's just a weird, doofus, snidely whiplash type right. character, as you said. Um, and then he's reunited with his family in the afterlife in a way. So we all get the awe moment when he's, you know, runs right. out of his body and he's and he's dead and, and they bear his body away like Hamlet. I do want to touch on a point that you made earlier, which is how many good performances there are in this movie. And just talk about uh, someone who is, is oft forgotten, which is uh, Oliver Reed. He was never a popular figure in Hollywood. He, he came in, um, he drank 
like a fish every single day of his life and made about 150 movies. But damn, that guy was good. He was good. I mean, He's great. Do, do you ever for one second doubt that he actually like he's a fat English guy who's playing a former Roman gladiator and I buy it in about two seconds. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Like what color is his tan, by the way, with that like that bright, <laughs> like that bright white fish? Like nothing about that should work, but I I buy it in 0.2 seconds. And that's he's not even the most famous person in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Well, here's here's my question for you about the ending is one one of our favorite, we, we love to say in this podcast, should this work on paper, should it not? Another thing we like to talk about in the podcast is the phrase plot armor. So you think about the decision to kill Maximus at the end, right? So you're surrounded by all these real historical figures, except for except for Maximus, right? So the, the writers, the three guys who wrote the screenplay had the choice, you know, we got to let him go. So if we let him die, he sees his family, he's reunited, they're waiting for you, go see them. Okay, that's great. Um, or he can live. And it's kind of funny that I think the movie has it both ways. You know, he gets to live, but he dies at the same time. He gets to be a martyr for Rome. And now Derek Jacobi is going to be in charge. Everything's going to be fine for a while. But he still gets to see his family. It, 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 it works on every possible way an audience member could want. The person who complains, oh, he should have lived. You could say, no, he does live. He's reunited with his family. He was, he was crying at their crucified feet. Or he was like, oh, you know, he died. Oh, he dies. He dies a hero when he faces his death and goes out there. Doesn't tell everybody that he's been wounded. He goes out there and just does the right thing. Yeah, it's just almost too satisfying. It, this movie makes me feel like a teenager. You know, like no matter how mature I am, you turn on Gladiator for about five minutes and we you find out emotionally what the right. truth is. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our conversation about Gladiator. We hope you'll follow us on Twitter at 15MINFilm. Keep the requests coming. Please, please leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. We're looking forward to the next episode. Keep the requests coming. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Join. Do you like movies about gladiators? <laughs>